0: And we can talk
1: about that on the podcast. would great. Ooh. So, yeah. so uh hi everyone, welcome to the semi-bookish podcast. Uh All right. um Alright,
0: you can't see me waving, sorry. Yeah.
1: So for those <laughs> who aren't able to tell, uh Tony is waving at everyone frantically saying, Hello. Waving through um...
0: a window. Oh wait, oh,
1: oh.
0: Sorry, no. um, And everyone just cried.
1: <laughs> I really don't think it'll happen, but you know, just in case so people know for random purposes. Um if they hear the door opening at any time during this podcast, it's uh, we're doing some moving around at the moment, and all the kids DVDs are in this room. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if somebody walks in to look at the DVDs.
2: First thing I'm grabbing, I'm not looking, I'm grabbing Disney's The Descendants. I'm, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you have to say <laughs> Disney even? Like how many?
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, so. Let's start today's episode by doing the fun thing that we always do every single episode, which is dance. Yeah, dance.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to okay, say Okay, that it. just means that you get to say whichever you first. Yeah, I'm like,
1: you get to go first Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, 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 got,
2: I got Thanks for good. volunteering yourself, Lord ish <laughs> Yeah. Um, reading wise, I am I just started the audiobook for uh, my year of rest and relaxation by. Oh, I, guess I'm Ma- I don't know. Moshfed? Remember. Moshfed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's our uh,
1: next month. It is our staff. Uh, it is the. Staff choices uh, book club. So, the Adrian District Libraries book club. Which every single book is picked by a member of the staff. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just going to call it the Adrian District Library Book Club because, you know, in I mean, my brain, that's what it is. I don't like calling it the staff picks book club because it makes it sound like it's only for us. It's <laughs> not. It's, it's for true. everyone. And so, you know. Please The, show book, up. the book that uh, Grant is mentioning is the next month's book club pick, which is...
0: So, from March, right?
1: Grant's pick. Yeah, from
0: March. It is. I figured I should, you know.
1: Start reading your own book. Well. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, is this one that you've read before?
2: I have or not? Read it. Oh, okay, so um, okay. I've heard some okay. stuff about it, and it seems like something I will like, though.
0: Yes, Batman, who goes by another name while they're here at working. Um, we know who we're talking about, right? When yes, yes, okay. yes. So, Batman has read that book and really enjoyed it. I actually don't know who Batman is. Out there. Braided. Who's Braided. out there right oh, now? Okay, yeah, okay. there you
1: go. Yes. Uh, so Batman was <laughs> our co-worker who does not actually physically like to be named on the podcast Correct. all that often. So that's but we love we them, to them anyways. Um, so, yeah,
0: they they read it a few few years ago and um, really enjoyed it. So okay. And then another one of our co worker or
1: not. One of our previous co-workers. One of our
0: previous co-workers. I don't think either of you worked with her. No. 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 But... If um, you're talking
1: about the person that you guys went to visit because she went to school... <laughs>
0: No. No, we're talking about the other Erin. Oh, yeah, her. <laughs> she um, okay. also read that book and really enjoyed it. Um, okay. So I've heard good things. I just haven't ever...
1: Jen was all, Director Jen was also saying that it sounded pretty interesting. I just, I just pulled it off the shelf yesterday. So we are ordering some. So if you yes. want to come pick one up before the... Um, Actual book club day. Uh, yeah. Anytime, probably in the next couple of weeks, you can come in and pick up your own copy of So the book. update us
0: on the premise, because I think I know what the premise is, but you're actually reading it. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of a, a, a young New York... I won't say socialite. It's not the right word. Mm. Just kind of... Just a girl. <laughs> uh, just a girl. Just a girl. Wealthy-ish. She decides I'm just that... just a girl. <laughs> uh, if the title didn't give you the hint, um, you know, she kind of decides... Using alcohol, prescription drugs, blah, blah blah blah. She wants to sleep for an entire year, mm-hmm. and we follow her as she does that. And her occasional, uh, you know, she wakes up. I imagine um, I'm Sleeping very... Beauty for the digital age. Sure, <laughs> yeah, it's it's well, it's it's pre nine eleven, so That's it's right. Like, yeah, it's either two thousand or like two thousand. Two thousand, if I
1: remember right, because there's a movie coming out about it sometime oh, really? soon. Is there? Uh, I There's talks. I saw a Cosmo article about it because I was looking oh. it up. Uh, there is, like, talks of a movie possibly happening in the future. Oh, um, if I remember right, they were talking. Uh, this is a Cosmo article, so, like, it might just be, like, all speculation. But uh, they were talking mm. about possibly, like, producer-wise, Margot Robbie was, you know, trying t- to throw her hat in there. As a producer. And then sure. as actors-wise, maybe, like, Emma Stone or something.
0: okay Interesting. I would actually prefer Margot Robbie in the role of the character than Emma Stone. I, I, even though they, I really they were, like, it was
1: only just speculation on if Emma Stone was sure. actually going to be in the movie. Yeah, it's I just, really like Emma I think, Stone, think they're not they, like fully yeah. like it, it's not like fully announced. Right. Yet. They announced so like, I think there's just talks of this movie, this book being added, added adapted, sure. adapted, sure. into <laughs> a movie. <Sure. laughs> um But uh, from what I read, it was like two thousand.
0: It's a yeah. seminal example of the kind of contemporary realist book that we have been seeing in the last seven years, especially. Have you read um, it? I have not You're read, not it, read it. it, but I've read a lot of LitHub articles about that book and the many books that it has spawned. Mm-hmm. It's an entire collection of books that I like to refer to as the Wilty White Girl Collection. The
1: Wilty White Girl Collection? Yes.
0: Because. Unlike
1: it's because the on plot the cover, for this it's book. Is because on the cover they all have some, like, wilty white girl on the no, cover? No, Because this book has her no. on the
0: cover. Um, <laughs> um, none of Sally Rooney's books necessarily have the characters on the cover. They don't even have,
1: like, people on the cover. But like, very
0: normal people like is very much within that wilted, wilty white girl thing, even though the white girl in that book actually goes and does things. But in this book, unlike a lot of the wilty white girl books that have come from that book, it... It gives her reason, right? Like, I mean, it, you know, that's the plot of the book. Whereas a lot of the Will T. White Girl collection is books with a similar kind of vibe where it's like, hey, the world is too much for me, so I'm just going to not.
1: That sounds exactly like my whole entire being. Or
0: the world <laughs> is too much for me, so I'm going to dial it all the way up to a thousand to see how much I can handle. It's, But it's always small-boned, small-framed white women... It's
1: the tiny white woman.
0: ...of the millennial generation who are either writing them or, you know, the characters in them, or both. And so it's a weird... Uh, subcategory of contemporary realism, or even maybe the tradition—I don't know. It's
1: That's I don't um, like that. But
0: it—but yes, this is this is a uh, my year of rest and relaxation is a seminal example of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the first necessarily, but it is certainly the first one that like hit big. A lot of people were talking about it when it came out and everything. And mm-hmm. you know, Atessa Mashvich has her own sort of name
2: in the literary landscape, which is cool. But you know, anyway, mm-hmm. she wrote like a medieval book that came out a few years is ago. Is that Lapvona? Lapvona, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah think, we have yeah. that. Which I also want to read. It, so. I think it was last year, actually. We mm. have it on the
1: yeah. show. And it was
2: two years ago. Time, anyway. time flies. Time's weird.
0: It does. Yeah, I have a weird thing with Otessa Moshfag because I think she's a really fascinating person to read in terms of her interviews. Um, one of which was with the man who is now her husband, at least I think they're still married. Um, but when they, <laughs> they first met because he was doing an interview with her, mm-hmm. scheduled to do an interview, he shows up at her front gate she opens the front gate. She has a front gate? Well, yes, it's not like a grand estate or anything. It's just a small enough house that she was okay. able to you know, have on her own. But she uh, goes to the front gate, which is like a garden gate kind of thing, mm-hmm. opens it. He's standing there and she said, I didn't know or care what he thought. I just thought, oh yeah, him. <laughs> He thought the same thing, and after four and a half hours of interviewing, they were, both were like, so this is not how my interviews normally go. Um, so are we just doing this? And he was just like, yeah, sure. So they he stayed over because she was like, yeah, let's do this. And they've never separated since. Like, they've Cute. spent every day together since. And then they got married, of course. That's so it was just kind of like, adorable. it was, a, right. I'm like, how are you an author of the kinds of books that this woman writes? And then something like that happens in your real life. And plot twist, a psychic two years before that encounter told her that two years to that day, it would happen. Oh, cute. Wow. Yeah. And and that she wouldn't believe it. So when it finally did happen, she was like, nope, I don't believe this. But oh my goodness, she was right. So like that. It's interesting. It is right. And you're like, oh, well, that's where all of her plot ideas come from. If your life actually does that to you, (laughs) I imagine that you've probably had some maybe other insane things happen. (laughs) I don't know. So
2: anyway, that's yeah. No, no, and obviously you're more, you're more familiar with that, air like that, the, the the scene in general. I the guess. scene. So yeah. you have, you have more con- you you have more context than I do. Um, sort of. I so mean, I'll be interested to
0: yeah, to read it or see it. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually interested in reading it too, or just reading anything by her, just because I think, like I said in in interviews, she's just so fascinating. In her mind, it thinks against the grain. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least it did, and now she's sort of become a new grain of her own, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always admire that about her, too. So,
2: okay. Yeah. Are you reading anything else? Uh, yeah, I'm still picking away at um, Art and Artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and...
1: Grant has to read the other book as Palette cleanser for Art and Artist. <laughs> <I do.
2: laughs> no, and I'm, I'm always reading little excerpts from stuff, so even if I don't mention something, I'm always yeah. oh, digging yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. Um, movie-wise... I'm going through all the Oscar nomination, Oscar nominated movies. Anything stand I, out? Well, I just watched Maestro and Barbie for the first time. Yeah, both kind of mid. Both kind of mid? mid. I wasn't.
0: Ooh. I have heard. So I have heard that. Obviously, I have not heard that about
2: Barbie because Barbie is supercharged and whatever. Yeah, you're um, not gonna. Barbie get
1: a, has like cult following status yeah. at this point. You're not so. gonna
2: get a get a, a non partial. You're not going to get a partial review of it. At this point. Precisely, um, but with Maestro, that's all I've ever
0: heard about Maestro it's is that it's just kind of like, eh? no. with the exception of everyone else who is like, "What is this garbage?"
2: No, it's <laughs> it's, it's a type of like obvious Oscar bait movie. I, I don't thought really we know were. What it is. It's a biopic, is. isn't it? Yeah, it's Leonard yeah. Bernstein. Mm-hmm. I thought we were gonna. I, I thought really we were done this. with a long time ago, but here we are. Um, I mean, sure. I, I mean, the performances are good, I guess. But
0: I mean, because um, what's his name? Who's playing?
2: Oh what's his face? Um, I can't Bernstein
0: remember. It's not Cooper, is it? Bradley Cooper. It is yeah. Bradley Cooper, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Me.
1: The, the the movie me. You don't know. I watch. have no idea what's going <laughs> no, it's <okay>. on. <laughs>
0: it's okay. Grant knows my great complaints about biopics because <laughs> I spare no one any of my ire or wrath. It's
2: it's hard to make pics. Biopics one that's substantial.
0: Oh, oh biopics I don't know. You know, I biopics feel are basically like, like the, the Christopher Nolan's of the world may have.
1: Oh wait! Oh yes, wait, wait, Oppenheimer. Wait, 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 sorry, wait, 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 there. Wait, 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 wait. Biopics are like the biographies, but like film, right?
0: Yeah, precisely. Yeah, most people refer to them as biopics because people don't know how to read. Um, <laughs> I used to say that. Personal. They just.
1: Oh, sorry. Started, granted, I don't like biographies anyways, but that just all sounds
0: boring. It is when you've been doing it the same way for fifty years which is why Oppenheimer is so striking as it is. It One, it's just a great movie. But again, on my soapbox, the reason that Oppenheimer is as long as it is and does everything that it is doing is not just because Christopher Nolan made it. That's part of it. The other part of it is because Christopher Nolan, being a smart filmmaker, is like, oh no, I've boxed myself into the biopic, and you can Feel him straining against the biopic the entire three and a half hours, three hours, whatever. Um, and what's fascinating about it is also it is
1: sounds too long.
0: Part of it, I
1: don't like it. Part of it
0: is because Lucas Gor not Lucas, I always keep calling him Lucas Ludwig Ludwig Goransson is dropping on you everything that he has ever thought to put an orchestra through for sound in that film. He's, I mean, he is doing masterful orchestration. If anyone anyone at all wins the Oscar for best score and it's not him, the Oscars are lying to you. I'd, have to, I'd that's,
2: have to look at the at the. At the, I, the
0: I already have. Them. Okay. I didn't really need right. to look, but I looked anyway. Right. The score for that film is hands down easily the best score I've ever heard in a film that I've ever seen. Particularly yeah. a big budget one. Like what is one. on the
2: Oscars list anyways? I'd have to look it up. I'd have to I, look it up. Soon. I'll look it up at some point. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, let me know yeah. so, we'll I, can know, so yeah, I can know I can be it, like, this is mid, yes. this is mid. <laughs> yes, Barbie Mid, yada yada yada. We'll talk about it some other time. Aaron. <laughs> I love that he ducked that one real yeah. quick. He was like
1: and. I can <laughs> talk about
2: it if, if you want me. So. No. I it's okay. <laughs> We're already like ten minutes in. Yeah, it's true. Fifteen minutes in
1: fifteen minutes in so, uh, still slogging my way through Project Hail Mary because I haven't touched it since because I just didn't want to. Sure. Um, so I'm just going to listen you to the audio version. a couple days.
0: <laughs> okay, good. I have a week. Oh, is it next it's week? It's
1: next week. So I still have a week to do that. So, you know, if you're listening to this on Monday, you have like until Thursday to read Project Hail Mary and show up to the book club on Thursday evening.
0: Up but the 29th. If not, Yes. Oh, that's why you get an extra week because we get an extra day this month. Uh-huh. Ooh, Leap day. So,
1: um, anyways, thanks, Leap Year, for having that. In there. Um, so until then, um, I'm also still going through Godkiller, but, like, I needed a quick break for a hot moment, and mm-hmm. what caught my eye was, um, I I finished reading the fiction section, so if anybody who, like, goes, like, why don't you have this book in the fiction section? We're
0: working on it. You
1: either tell me you want it, or um, you should have read it. Um, We're not working on it. Sorry. <laughs> but we are kind of technically working on it.
0: Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> That's the official story. Sorry. <laughs>
1: We are kind of working on it it's just you know. Anyway. It's taking its time, yeah. Yeah. So uh one of the sections that I read was Mercedes Lackey. And I've never yeah. read I've never read her stuff ever. Which one mine. did you start with? Uh Black Griffin, which is the first of the series of I forgot what it's called already. The it's Val- not
0: Valdemar, is it? It
1: is. But that is the first
0: chronological chronological order. That is the first chronological order. The first published series yes. in that, in Valmar. I looked
1: up what order I should read it in. Okay. And so this is where it told me to start. Sure. So I started with the Black Griffin, which is the sure. Mage War series, because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. timeline wise, that's kind of where it starts. So, yes. you know, I, I was like, okay, why not? Let's just Cause I literally looked it up. I looked it up on Fantastic Fiction. I looked it up on like Goodreads. Yeah, and stuff. it's tricky. I was like,
0: yeah, the so Valdemar's Val- Val- tricky because it's one of the one of those fantasy landscapes where the world of Valdemar is, is massive, because she's literally been curating this for decades. Yeah. Um, the first one would have been in, like, the early 80s, right? Yes. I think Black Griffin was published before Arrows of um, the Queen. Let me
1: see. Black Griffin um, was originally published in 1994. Oh.
0: 1994, so it came after. Okay, so the ser- there's a series that was published before Black Griffin yes. that I think does come later in the t- in the chronology of, the, of that world. That's called The Heralds of Valdemar. Um, I think it's a trilogy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we they do pro- have yeah. that
1: first book here. Okay. However, I realized as I was getting rid of some of her books because they just weren't circulating. At and the
0: we time. had a random collection of the mini And names. they
1: were all just like hodgepodged in there. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I might want to try this out. Because I've never tried her stuff and yeah. I was kind of like,
0: what do you think so far?
1: Um, I like the way that it's written, like the style. Mm-hmm. Granted, I like third person. I like. Um, not only just jumping in but like having little bits and pieces of information like given to you as
0: you go go along i
1: don't like info dumping immediately right away or not info dumping at all like i there's a fine line that i walk with books that i like particularly Mm -hmm. and what i like in books and it's also in my fanfictions as well especially if it's an alternate universe or they've changed it in some way, shape or form. I like the fine line where you walk and you have the action happening, but you also put in little bits and pieces to help your reader not only understand what's going on, but like there's just enough context that you understand, but there's not enough context where you know way too much beforehand and you can just guess everything right away. Yeah. I don't, like it's a
0: hard it's a hard line to walk. It's
1: with. a hard line it's... to walk because um, I'm really good at getting the uh, foreshadowing before it's actually foreshadowing mm-hmm. because I will go, oh, and then, this is for me for movies too, which is why I don't particularly watch them all that often is because I will get the foreshadow before the actual foreshadow. And so sure.
0: yeah. yeah, I have to
1: turn around and I have to go. Don't look at it as foreshadowing. Don't try to guess what's already going to happen. It totally
0: is. (laughs)
1: And it is. And I also do this when I watch wrestling as well. I can immediately go, okay, so you're going to do one of three options here. This is your most likely option. But if it's really cool if you did this or this. And then I see them go with the main option and I'm like, I don't know why I'm surprised. It's already like this. Um, Meanwhile, I'm also playing Fallout 4. Because um, I'm playing all of my Fallout games in anticipation for the TV show that is going to be coming out on Amazon Prime in April.
0: Oh, God. Why did you have to tell me that? Because now I'm going to have to listen to either griping... Not you. Not me. Joseph is a Fallout player. Um, I think his favorite game... My favorite is New Vegas. Is New Vegas. I can um, but he's this, this, going to be on my ear about, oh, adaptations are terrible. Or he'll say, <laughs> I don't like adaptations, so I don't want to watch it. Even well, if I see a trailer well, and I'm like, oh, I want to see it. So one of two things honest, are going to happen. So it's
1: fine. So Fallout, the TV show, I don't, it's not going to follow the games. It's going to be like a different Oh, section. okay. So it's going to have so, its
0: own kind of. So how regard. the
1: Fallout games work is they are not in any type of, chronological order and they are not in any type of lore order either. Sure, sure. Um, Every single Fallout game is a different location Mm -hmm. and a different story. Right. It is the same universe kind of like Valdemar here where like it's massive and you have different stories happening on at once. Yeah. Um, Fallout is the universe where you can turn around and you could have the first two games over on the west coast Mm -hmm. granted this is for reasons being of uh different um publishers and developers at the time but we're gonna ignore that for two seconds
0: if you you can still make it work that way
1: it there's west coast and then when we get to three it's on east coast Right. But the thing is, there's also lore for the Midwest. There's also lore for different sections of the West Coast. Because technically, uh, Fallout 1 and 2 are in California. Mm -hmm. But New Vegas is in the Mojave around...
0: Right. Around Las like Vegas. in and It's that,
1: supposed yeah. to be Las Vegas, but Las Vegas got, you know... Sure. So, you know, we have New Vegas, which is a whole entire thing. But in the eastern section, you have the capital wasteland. Mm-hmm. And then in Fallout 4, it's not capital. It's close.
0: Sure.
1: We are in the Commonwealth of Boston.
2: <clears throat> and
1: so there's right. those things. And then there's Fallout 76, which is the reason that the theme song is... Um, um country roads is because it's out in west virginia area Mm -hmm. and so there are different segments and there are a lot of different things that can be you know used as material for like example like there are certain factions that you have that are things that are in the fallout universe that are like a given like Mm -hmm. the enclave and which is the remnants of the uh United States government. Right, you have the Brotherhood of Steel, who are people who like hoard technology and things because they don't think people should be able to use them anymore because,
0: because we
1: ruined what everything. we did with the world
0: with them, yeah, well, that makes um, sense. And That's then incredible. you have
1: super mutants, who are mutants who were um, taken, basically experimented on at one point mm-hmm. with a virus to make them into super soldiers, and it didn't go very well. Um, and you have all these different like raider gangs and these different things that are going on. There are synth synthetic people in mm. the fourth game, but you see them in the third game, but they're in the fourth game as right. like a whole entire thing. And there's an under there's an underground railroad to get these people out, like the synths out. It's like a whole entire thing. But you have mm. that, and so I'm playing backwards, sure, um, because um, I haven't played one or two yet. I know how great they are. Don't get me wrong, but it's because it's the Older style of the, uh, it's isotopic, so it's like a th- third. Hi, David. Yeah. But it's like a th- like a thing. Yeah, go for it. Have fun. Hi, David. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it. It's like that. Um. Anyways, yeah. that's what I'm playing and reading. Tony. Nice. Go. Um, Congratulations.
0: I finally wised up. Oh, no. I say this despite the fact that you only find out after you attempt to do this. Mm-hmm. That they, because I read the fine print, the people who told me to do Game Pass <laughs> don't. When you go to sign up for Game Pass, sure. I have it. They give you a dollar for the first seven days, and then it's $14.99 a month. Which Mine's
1: $17.99, but I jump. have
0: the Pass right. Pro. It is a jump, right? Um, now. I don't mind that because yeah. it's still, one, cheaper than Netflix.
1: It's, honestly, to, I like the variety of I stuff they have. I like
0: what they have on there. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm, I was... I'm
1: able, I'm trying Life of P through that, mm-hmm. which is like a Dark Souls Pinocchio game. Yeah, cool. And it's currently like $40, $45 on Steam on sale right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to spend $45 for, I don't really play Souls games all that often.
0: Yeah, that's and the thing. So, yeah, therefore, I I'm to able sort of... to
1: download that. I don't play Far Cry all that often either, but I'm able to download it through there and play it. Yeah, I just wanted to,
0: like, do that for Mm. a bit to see, like, oh, okay, is this worth it? I think it will be just based off of what I was able to find. One of which was the Master Chief Collection. Oh, yeah, I haven't tried Um, that yet. Which... Ah, I'm super excited about I love Halo 3, so Halo 3 was going to be I the one that movie. I... Love my oh, my God. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fantastic. I've um, never played it. I love Halo... I was Halo... an RPG girly first.
0: I love Halo 3. Um, so I'm playing Halo 3 right now. Mm-hmm. I just started. Um, it, I will say this. Anyone who is looking into Xbox Game Pass, make sure that you... Unless you have the strongest internet connection possible... It just,
1: take, Make sure you have time.
0: Just download it. Like don't, because I tried cloud gaming just to see if it would work. One, it does work. But mm-hmm. when I played cloud gaming with Halo Three, because of how slow—not slowly, but like as you go through the level, it's loading. So you're literally watching it live load. And the problem with that is, Bye, David. being my age and <laughs> with my eyes. It's <laughs> like,
2: I'm going to take this card out with me. David, what are you reading? We need Friends Seasons 8, 9, and 10 for a patron. Okay. Oh, that's fair. See you later. <laughs> cool. Can't find them. Good luck. Yes. They may be in repair.
1: Ooh, okay. Anyways.
2: So yeah, so I'm, so,
0: yes. um, If you're doing Xbox I would recommend that you download it rather than cloud game because I got, I got super dizzy. Like, super dizzy just cloud gaming because you're, I think it's a first person shooter, so that may have been part of it. Is that you're not just shooting at what's right in front of you. What's right in front of you might be just beyond how much it can have downloaded. So it's like it's doing both things at once.
1: It's trying to lag, but also make you go...
0: Exactly. And it's fine in terms of gameplay. I was able to still shoot what I wanted to shoot, bomb whatever I wanted to bomb, whatever. But my eyes could not handle that adjustment after one level. And I got really dizzy and felt really gross and sick. So I was like, okay... Uh, Just go ahead and download you and play you later. And it does also... I am playing Halo 3. uh,
1: I say this from knowing this myself, too. If you're going to download it, too, be prepared to wait a little bit.
0: Oh, that's with anything. Well, my
1: Steam games, uh, it take... My Steam games cap at about maybe, like, almost 35 megs a second. Like, as download speed. Xbox Game Pass narrows that down to, like, 2 to 5.
0: Oh, I didn't even pay and attention to it. And so,
1: you know, it might take a hot minute, just yeah, FYI. It took, I, knew
0: it, I knew it would take a while just because I yeah, every Xbox game I have to download, I, it just takes up.
1: However, takes I'm having time, a blast so just, online just because I like
0: no, it. No, no, I really, like, I really like, I mean, I'm able to play Halo 3, so I'm happy. Um, Granted, I also there got the others, EA. There are others that I can play.
1: I think too. my Game Pass is higher, too, because I got the EA Play.
0: Oh, that's probably true.
1: With mine too, um, so I don't have to pay for EA games.
0: <laughs> and I am reading. I just started reading this morning, mm-hmm. a book called *Dragons in a Bag* by Zeta Elliott. Get I him out of like, there.
1: Is it that is the one there. that I just handed you today? The, the, I handed you the second sequel book. today. yesterday. Yes, I did. Yes. Okay.
0: Um, so I started reading that. Um, out of I, I think I've wanted to read it for a few years, but this is where the topic of today's podcast will come in. Um, Fair. I started reading it because the basic premise of the book is um, this boy mm-hmm. goes to stay with his grandmother mm-hmm. and for a day and discovers that there are magical creatures. One of whom is dragons. One of which is dragons. Whatever. Yeah. And it opens up this whole, like, you know, yeah. they're super tiny books. I discovered that there are five of them.
1: There's five? We only have like...
0: We only have the first two and the third one is on its way. Yay. Um and if they circ well we'll get books four and five. How Yay. Are recent, these, um, are recent these books. The first one is 2018. Yes. 2018, 2019. The um, last one is like 2021,
1: 2019.
0: No, actually the last one is like last month. Really? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, the fifth book came out last month. So I I was talking about book two, but okay. Oh yeah, yeah no, book two is 2018, Yeah, but no, book five came out last month. Um so it's a completed series, so that made me also really excited about it. But so today's subtopic is Black History Month oriented, I suppose. Yeah. Sure. Is
1: it it's black yes. authors, black books,
0: yes, so those kind of
1: things. Black authors, black books. That sounds like a good title. Anyways.
0: <laughs> it got me thinking yeah. about my biggest problem with Fantasy written by black authors for children.
1: Oh, because I was going to ask you what books you would recommend by black authors in fantasy, too.
0: So, it, they would all be adult books. Um, okay. Because I have no respect for anything that's happening in the YA category. and have Ooh, last 10 not years. even, like, teen? Not for the last 10 years. All the, uh, Not even that, middle grade? Uh, middle grade is different. Middle grade, I feel like there's a lot of really interesting growth going on, which is part of why Dragons in a Bag is... Okay. At home. Um, and I'm reading it.
1: Okay. I am now um, invested because
0: I want to know. So with the, with the teens, with with YA books in general, young little book, I have no respect for anything that's been happening in that field for the last 10 years Oof. because a lot of, it got really nasty behind the scenes. Ooh. Um, Tea? I mean, it's not that much of a secret if you've oh. been following any Twitter drama related I don't to have, YA I don't in the have last... I don't have Twitter. I mean, you don't have to. It's been written about so much and the part of the problem is that it it, when it gets written about it gets there's this whole inner loop but anyway that's not the point the point is the only thing i would recommend by a black author in terms of fantasy for ya is children of blood and bone but that's because i read it and it's fantastic um i have not read the sequels yet um but that one is i mean just amazing for adults there's the obvious mk jemisin who is really a science fiction and fantasy writer she does both um really well because she's really good
1: I'm writing um, these down in a chart to autocorrect N.K. to no <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> there's I would say N.K. Jemison, um certainly Nisi Shawl and Nede Okorafor mm-hmm. um Nella Hopkinson, too, yeah, because Nella, yeah, Nella's also, all of them are sci-fi and fantasy writers, so you will find science fiction works by them as well as fantasy works by them. Well, good. Because they're all kind of old school in that way. They all grew up either reading science fiction and fantasy that way or interpreting it that way. Like, in the yeah. case of Nadia Corfour, she didn't grow up reading the great works of science fiction and fantasy, um, but once she ran into Octavia Butler as a reader, she was like, done, and just, you know, did her thing. Um, I, Where was I going with that? So those are some some names that I would recommend. There's You're a talking, lot. You were
1: talking about your reckoning with yes. um, children. black fantasy and.
0: Yes. So in children's literature, something that is brand new as of like 2018.
1: Okay. So like um, recently. In so
0: yeah, like that recent. Eight,
1: seven, six, seven years.
0: Yes. Is fantasy oh. for black children written by black authors. That is new. Because. Well, I don't know. I could say because I don't know. Part of this, I think, is a subcultural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of black families, particularly in the South, have an issue with anything magical whatsoever. Um, and that, in and of itself, creates right. a lot of like conversation around what should be allowed, what shouldn't be allowed, all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's that component but I don't think it's just that I Mm -hmm. think that publishing like the rest of society has a problem with viewing black children as children oh yeah okay sorry what do you mean for like like, two seconds and and not even like just as children but you have to understand right because publishing's job is to make sure well ostensibly is to make sure that there are books for people to read right Mm -hmm. well if you think about this in the context of children if you, Because in the adult world, they would say to anyone who asked, well, black people don't read. And if they do, they don't read as much as everyone else. So we're not going to pay attention to you. The
1: listeners can't see this, we're but gonna, I made a disgusted face yeah. at that. Sorry. Yes, did.
0: I know. Um,
1: <laughs> as <we're>, I
0: should. <laughs> I mean, but do you get the idea? <laughs> I mean, you know, if anything has proven them wrong, it's been Oprah's book club. But still. Because Oprah is what? Oh, she's a black woman. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> carrying on with that. Um, that was an old argument that still gets drudged out every mm-hmm. once in a while. But most of the time it's like you can point to 15, 17 different authors and be like, so all of these people don't write, um, read? Okay, sure. But in Kidlet, you can't make the same argument. Right, because oh, well, all kids—they can't just they be like, well, to. black kids it's don't read. And it's like a, you
1: are a children's
0: publisher. That's the point of your—you know what I mean?
1: It's literally integral to like children like learning how to read and like how to like. Mm-hmm. You have to read in school. Like it is a required. It's a part
0: of education. It is like yeah. a whole entire so thing. So kids
1: are going to read.
0: It becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you're, like, right? right? Because like, if you're like, like, saying like, like if if the people r- giving us books culturally uh-huh. are saying well, culturally, this subculture in America does not read, then that means that all the way down the line at the that the other end where we're talking about Pete the Cat and Clifford the Big Red Dog and all these other things, mm-hmm. if we decide that those children will grow up into grownups who don't read because of quote-unquote evidence, mm-hmm. whatever, the numbers, whatever businesses use to justify their ridiculous things, um, then you have a whole group of people who won't learn how to read because there's nothing in those, not nothing, but there's not as much in those books for them. Now, I was not the kind of kid who grew up thinking, oh, I wish I could read about four American kids who go to an old man's house and end up in the wardrobe and go to Narnia." Never was my, I never cared.
1: Do you think that contributes to, like, these statistics of, like, the illiteracy statistics or whatever certainly like because there's not enough representation
0: yes and no yes
1: I mean I I guess like the yes but like
0: yes and no I mean I think that I think that you know as a lifelong black reader is it no one was going to look at me. if they. You were could bold, read
1: whatever you want. You yeah, go, I'm going to do what yeah. I want.
0: If they were bold enough to do that, I would have just read in their face. Just to be like, well, one, I like doing this. And two, you told me I shouldn't. So I'm definitely going to do it in your face.
1: <laughs> Reverse <laughs> psychology at that point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, can't uh, read. Watch Watch. Yeah, literally. Watch me. Yes. that. I mean, that's how I ended up reading a, a book as a kid. Because literally, the black woman who handed it to me at church was like, oh, I know you. This is about math. You won't read it. And then a month later after I'd read it and handed it back to her, she goes, I knew you'd read it if I told you you couldn't. And I was just like, no, you told me I wouldn't. She says, that's not the point. Did you like the book? I said, it was... It was perfect. Thank you. One
1: of the kids <laughs> in my class did that, book with Lord of the Flies, except it wasn't a... Uh, yeah. You can't read this book. It was, here's a spoiler, and this kid was a notorious, like, liar, mm-hmm. like, your face type kid. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at him, and he... He was telling the truth, by the way, of the death of one of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I turned around, and I was like, I don't believe you, because just we just it. started it. So I read the book on a weekend, <laughs> then watched the movies, Oh and perfect. then I both of them because there's two Mm -hmm. versions of this movie which by the way the 90s version is like don't watch it
2: just surprising it
1: sucks um the 60s version is better and more uh it's it adapts better Mm because it's more like to the point this is like it follows the book better Mm the uh 90s one does not
0: really well
1: there's there's an adult on the island
2: In this, in the '90s one, and I'm like, huh, but you know, it's not a good idea. It's it's not because it's like the opposite point of the whole. The point. point. Okay, well, but yeah. Anyway, I I was going to ask what the uh, book that she handed you was, just out of curiosity. It was a book called Carry On, Mr. Bodich. Oh,
0: I've heard. Yeah, it's a nonfiction book. It's about uh, Nathaniel Bodich. It's like what they call narrative nonfiction Mm -hmm. because it's telling a story, Mm -hmm. as if it were a character that was invented. But it's an actual historical figure that you can research and dig through and do all this kind of stuff. So it's not historical fiction because nothing in it that happens isn't implausible or made up. Mm -hmm. But... You know, it's one thing to read in a, in a historical biography like, oh, Nathaniel uh, Hawthorne is called the father of navigation because he sailed in ships. X, Y, yeah, and Z. It's a whole different thing to characterize what it feels like to be a small child abandoned by the world and adopted by sailors. And then you realize the sailors don't know what they're doing because they don't know how to do math. And so he goes, hmm. I'm going to do have that. Have you guys ever thought that there's numbers in the stars and they're like, What are you talking about, you insane child? And then he navigates them through a storm using math and they're like, Wanna stay. So <laughs> So of course it was a perfect book for a smart mouth ten year old, right? Because he's a smart mouth kid who uses his brain to navigate them through
1: mm-hmm. the storm.
0: He has no idea he's inventing something until they're like do you know what you're doing? And he's just like, I'm using math. And they're like, what is math? Oh. And so, you know. And it
1: was back to this anyway, whole so like, fantasy. The thing about, children. yeah,
0: in kids' books, I, I, it's hard to really nail down what it is that has prevented um. black fantasy or black authored fantasy with black children at the center of it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to nail down why that hasn't, why that's only just become a thing in in children's fiction. I mean, there was Virginia Hamilton, who um, was a Newbery Award winning author who wrote for decades. And she had a lot of um, elements of African folklore, Mm -hmm. because she was a folklorist, woven into her tales. Mm -hmm. Um, She preferred to think of her stories not as fantasy so much as tall tales, um, but of course she would because she was an American folklorist. That's kind of
2: that's what how they, that's how American that folk does. yeah American
0: folklore and the tall tales. I mean that's all that I mean that's 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 how they operate. Um, but in terms of the fiction, like in terms of just making things up or making magic happen on the page, it really has only been since twenty eighteen. That is and
1: interesting. It, I didn't even yeah. realize that. But
0: that most people don't, um, and I honestly don't know that I. For a couple of years now, I've been thinking about doing this, but I have now literally just started doing it a couple of days ago because I was thinking about it and then Dragons in the Bag came up and I was like, okay, I need to just go ahead and do this now.
1: <laughs> I handed you that copy of Dragons yeah, in the Bag and, and you were like, well, here we kind go.
0: kind of went. I have been very curious about what that new space is like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I know the premise of some of those things. Um, some of the books. Mm-hmm. Uh and one of them i'm really not looking forward to reading because i know that it's basically just her trying to do harry potter and it ain't gonna work
1: what Um, what book is this uh
0: the marvelers by danielle clayton um i have never enjoyed a single piece of her writing to be honest with you um because she's the kind of author who's a very like cheap knockoff if i turn all my characters brown because i too am brown then maybe that people will understand that i'm writing for them and it's like no because you don't even know how to write, but it's fine. Uh, do we have a copy of that? We do, and I'm going to read it because, again, for me, this is a this is a.
1: I'm like, should I check it out and read it first, and I can tell you, as like, a local Harry Potter fan, if it well, is or not. It's
0: like for, for me, it, what it boils down to is is it's an interesting question that I think scholars will end up asking. Mm-hmm in the next 20 years maybe but it also is something that I feel like could go under the radar and people won't even pay attention to because people don't understand that how new it is how transformative it could be as it's own tradition of children's literature because um,
1: I mean because it's so new I mean like talking to somebody like granted I do the adult books instead but like Mm -hmm. I have to keep up on these things. I didn't even know it was, like, a whole entire thing. But then Mm -hmm. again, I also don't keep up with, like, a lot of that publishing news thing. I wait until it comes to me via, like, like, book list and book page and, like, Mm -hmm. library journal and things like that. And, like, yeah, they're being marketed to me, like, through those reviews and things like that. But it's not, like, a thing that is actively being, like, part of either the selection process or, like, whatever that is in the review sometimes, like, it's uh-huh. just not there. Unless I, like, yeah. actively, like, I go to, like, the listing itself and I go, oh, like, and I connect the dots, like, I'm not going to notice.
0: Well, and what's it? <laughs>
1: Yeah. I hope it doesn't fly under the radar, because it sounds like a very interesting, like, something that you would talk about in, like, your literature classes and mm-hmm. your publishing classes mm-hmm. as, like... Yeah, there's a group of... Your journalism classes, like, as, like, what do you think this, this the carving out of this space has done to publishing as a whole? Or,
0: yeah, I, I my my interest, honestly, other than you know just being a writer um, and Fair. looking into that, and also working in the children's department at the library. There's that too. Fair, but my personal interest in it is is more academic than I think anything I've ever really, like, looked into. Because most of the time when I'm looking into academic things, people have been studying this already. They've been talking about it. They've been this is something that it. they're not. But this is something no one, there are essays uh-huh. that people have written about leading into 2018. And I'm sure if I went looking, there, there are probably some essays that. after that, mm-hmm. like between 2018 and now, mm-hmm. about it, maybe most of them will probably be from authors of such of said fiction, and probably most of it will be them complaining about how they're not Harry Potter. Which to me <laughs> which to me is not the point. You're like you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it is laughable, but it's like one of those things, it's like, this is not the point of why you do this.
1: That's not the point like, of fantasy in general. Like, First we're all,
0: of all, it's not the point of fantasy. We're all but,
1: not trying to be the next Harry
0: Potter. But you see like, this happen, you see this happen in waves all the time, right? After the immense success of the Lord of the Rings in the States, three to four decades worth of authors were trying to be Tolkien. Even if they did interviews saying, well, I'm not trying to be Tolkien, it's like, you have hobbits, Terry Brooks. (laughs) Nice try. Uh, So these things come in waves. I mean, you see this with Harry Potter too. I mean, after the success of Harry Potter, there's this huge wave of fiction of fantasy fiction for kids that you don't even have to squint to see mm-hmm. that it's influenced by harry potter i'm talking about rick riordan i'm talking about artemis fowl i'm talking about any of those like we used to call them tweens tween books you know any of those series those long series for kids that were fantasy books they all came out around the same time some mm-hmm. of them were reprinted reprints yes. like garth nix's sabriel and its sequels he couldn't like he published it in nineteen eighty three, it did modestly well, he moved on and did other things, and then Harry Potter came along and they were like, Hey Garth, you wanna reprint? You wanna reprint? How about a reprint, Garth? And he was like, Of course I wanna reprint, are you crazy? And suddenly he's one of the names feel, that I everyone's find that, talking like, about.
1: It's so like interesting, like
0: it isn't yeah. It's
1: gonna be interesting, like, especially if you do look into those like essays, like how many authors would end up complaining that it's not like a Harry Potter, like it shouldn't be
0: a lot of their a lot stop of, chasing
1: yeah. that first of all as I mean, pro tip thing. it's just like I would like some like I love the fantasy premise of it but like stop trying to do that like oh my god
0: but I also think that the, like what I'm interested in seeing what I'm interested in finding mm-hmm. is what what is it like what is a fantasy written by a black author written with black children at the center of it mhm what are you doing? Like, what, what's, what's happening? Like, what are, what are the most common sort of things? Mm-hmm. And yeah, between 2018 and 2024 is not a huge time span to do that. However, within that compressed time period, there's a huge amount for something that's new it's huge. You have big names like Angie Thomas mm-hmm. writing her first fantasy book
1: mm-hmm. that
0: came out last year. And the paperback is coming out in April. I got like five emails this morning about it. It was ridiculous. Um,
1: <laughs> of like
0: publishers going like, buy the book. Yeah, they're like, Angie Thomas's debut fantasy comes out as a, in paperback in April. And I was like, because no one read it. That's why you're sending me five emails. But that's my point is that someone who <laughs> wrote like The Hate You Give, right? Mm-hmm. That everybody... You know, and, and grandmother the grandmother like, could hear about um, Concrete Rose was one of them. Yeah. yeah. And then on the come up. So she's got a huge career based off of that one YA book that she wrote and got published. But. What is she doing? And in- No one is talking about this fantasy book that she's written. Right. Or reading it. No one seems to even care. There is where I can see authors saying, hey, what are we doing that Miss Rowling isn't? That gives her so much fame and us, none. It's still the wrong question to ask, but I'm just interested in seeing what are the traditions that we're setting up already right. that we don't realize are traditions because this author over here is doing their own thing and this author over here is doing their thing. And It'll that be author really there, interesting, you know, like,
1: outside of, like, you know, like, we had the rolling and then everyone tries to, like, also become rolling, like, reordin' and things like that. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what black children's fantasy becomes that pinpoint in the tradition Mm -hmm. and by that I mean like so you know you have your Tolkien and so you mentioned we had like decades Mm -hmm. worth of things like Mm -hmm. emulating the Tolkien style Mm -hmm. you have the Harry Potter and then you have Almost maybe same like a, a couple decades worth couple decades. of people emulating that. Mm-hmm. You have the Suzanne Collins and then after the Suzanne There's, Collins, yeah. you have the emulation of that style because mm-hmm. those are what are coming out.
0: You have Children of Blood and Bone and everybody trying to emulate that, which is why I don't... Anyway, I'm sorry. And the Avatar
1: series, which... Ac- yeah,
0: that's another one. Yes. Yeah, Surge- yeah, same right. thing. And now yeah. you have
1: all these people trying to emulate that.
0: And if people start emulating Fourth Wing, I'm going to throw myself off of the back of a dragon high Listen. I saw a Reddit post.
1: Fourth Wing is boy. trying to emulate... Akatar, and you can't c- convince me otherwise.
0: I could see that. I don't know. Because it's
1: the same like them. area, but like it'll be interesting to see what black children's fantasy, like middle grade or YA black mm-hmm. fantasy, mm-hmm. becomes that pinpoint mm-hmm. and expands the rest of the black fantasy universe or
2: yeah. publishing. I, I imagine it probably need a uh, like a semi original like blueprint. That can grab people.
0: It could like, do. It, you could do that. Like the Harry that. Potter
2: blueprint did, right?
0: But here's the problem. The, with that's, the, that's one of the biggest the problems Potter, with with fantasy in general, in terms of the blueprints. There's is no that, real thing as a like so for original. So for Harry Potter's blueprint, right? It's
1: Diana and Jones. <laughs> yes. And Ursula,
0: isn't
1: it? And Ursula I think Luguin it was probably too?
0: subconscious. Yeah, Ursula Guin sort of invented the kid goes to magic school thing. I knew it
1: was the two, because we've discussed this in the past, yeah. that those so, two are the blueprint for like a Harry Potter Well, blueprint. but it's
0: hard though, because blueprints, particularly in literature, blueprints are not the same thing as antecedents. Yes. So for example, specific... it used to be stated that the first, like the father, the founder of science fiction, of as we know it, was Jules Verne. That mm-hmm. was something that was incontrovertible for so long and then people started studying a little bit more and women and women of color started studying a little bit more and they went wait a minute i'm sorry so a science fiction novel is what again yeah um frankenstein <laughs> and no one could argue with them everyone went oh yeah i mean that's frankenstein it, it's basically... why didn't we think it Because literally frankenstein is a science fiction novel now there are people Mm-hmm. In academia, who will say it's, it's a horror novel at best, but it, it's really not able to be categorized. And it's like, okay, everything is able I mean, as library. As employee, much as you want to call everything it, everything is able to be categorized. So you're just trying to make Jules Verne something he is not, which is the father. Like maybe he's the father of, but the mother is, you know, um, so. Shelley. Yeah, Mary Shelley. So I mean, you know. It's things like that, where you have, like, you have, like, I think that Diana jones and Ursula Le Guin are certainly antecedents to Harry Potter, so, but I don't think that they directly influenced her. I do think is, that Crestomancy by Diana jones like, indirectly, if that makes sense, but yeah. It's
1: in a textuality.
0: Yes, precisely, so, it is. So,
1: yes. actually, so, yes. I, I had to remember what it is. I took a class on visual uh, media Mm-hmm. An art history class on visual media mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we had to do is we had to talk about a different type of trope or something in media. Yeah. And I chose intertextuality. Yeah. I compared Hunger Games,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Battle Royale, the Japanese thing. Oh, yes, yes. Thing, mm-hmm. Because Hunger Games is basically Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Using that style of thing. So there's yeah. like the three types of intertextuality. So mm-hmm. therefore, like you have your blue your like original blueprint or whatever that you were mentioning like becomes like the black fantasy pit hole and expands things.
0: Yeah, and see but that's where that's
1: where I... intertextuality kind of throws it in the hat at that moment because like you have those things, but like you have Harry Potter who used Ursula Lewin and Diana Wynne Jones as I guess an we, intertextuality kind of way. Because it can either be obligatory, it could be accidental, it could be yeah. um yeah. um what is the last one? Sorry. Optional. Ob-
0: yeah. yeah. So no, that's true. like it's yeah.
1: those types of things. Yeah. So therefore, like if you have that original blueprint, mm-hmm. yes it can be original, but you have to turn around and you have to look at what was the accidental things that were thrown in there, what were optional, what did you purposefully throw in there that represents? Mm-hmm low key references another piece of media and it doesn't without have, even
0: realizing that it's without even head. realizing
1: yeah. it like it could be anything like optional is like not even necessary and it could be like
0: and right now i think something that i am seeing is in in those in the current tradition is intentional intertextuality yes this is not just restricted to this one small area of entertainment no, or of, no no it is know, everywhere it's everywhere you look everywhere you look in any piece of entertainment um particularly the bigger the publisher or the bigger the production company or the bigger the they're stealing the left media. right and center from each other and they're not even trying to cover it up they're saying this is harry potter but for black girls and you're like sit down clown like that's how i <laughs> that's how i feel about it because i get really irritated because i'm like how far are we going to push this If we're telling book banners, I'm not trying to indoctrinate your child with one thing, but saying on the other hand, I wanted to see what it would be like to write Harry Potter for queer children. Because queer children are not accepted at Hogwarts. Time out. First of all, Dumbledore is gay. 20 times, okay? (laughs) Just gonna put that out there. (laughs) Second of all... Do you realize how groomy you sound when you say things like that? Like, I'm going to write this thing for something that a child has not yet discovered or tried to discover about themselves, so why would you write it? It's not to say that it's a bad thing to write it, but for you to state, I'm writing this for all of the kids who, like, I was. And it's like, I didn't read that way. And maybe that's why I feel that way about it, is that when I was reading as a kid, I read what I wanted to it's read. That's the deliberate. That's all that's I want.
1: Deliberate. Yeah. obligatory. And so
0: like, I feel like this weird thing that's happening, and I don't think it's going to stay for very long, because you can't continue to tell good stories this way. I think fair. that what we need, and maybe it's because I want to be this person, but that's not the point. <laughs> Tony's going to be this person. We, yeah. need, we do need a template setter, but I think we also need, we need a catalyst, something that's going to punch up the entire publishing industry and make them realize that, hey, you can tell a story that doesn't intentionally borrow its template from everything you've ever absorbed. Do you think
1: the pinhole, and I I keep calling it a pinhole, but do you think it's going to, that little spark is going to be the same as the catalyst? Like, is it going to be the same media or do you think it's going to be two separate ones?
0: I think in order for it to impact all of entertainment, it's going to have to be many, many different sparks in many different locations. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Specifically, in like the the black children's fantasy that we were going I earlier, do, do you think yeah. it's going to have to be the same thing, or do you think they have to be two separate ones?
0: I think in that case, it will probably it will more than likely end up being the same thing. Mm-hmm. It might be a couple of things because mm-hmm. that's traditionally how these things tend to happen you have a greater and a lesser kind of thing um like harry potter was the greater but there were all these lessers that were swimming around at the same time which is why if you talk to like jane yolen and anyone who was publishing the 80s and early 90s before harry potter was even spoken Mm -hmm. they get really mad really fast because they're like we were already doing this and then here she comes along with her hack work garbage fantasy start, like, they get really mad. <laughs> they used to literally, at conferences, I found this out from a Brandon Sanderson video of last year. Of course apparently, it was a Brandon Sanderson yeah, video. Apparently <laughs> at conference, or it was a podcast, but anyway, a, a cor- apparently at conferences they were referring to her as the Scottish um, B word. Oof. Yeah. They weren't even saying that Scottish woman. They were literally, like, s- like through their C teeth. Thing. Being like, they were like-, That's like Scottish And I'm like, wow. So, you know, I feel like there will be a greater example and a lesser example, if that makes sense. And we may not know what they are. They may trade points at some point. But I think that someone's going to come along. Mm -hmm. And my hope, I might be wrong. They may not be this person. My hope is that they're an African writer, not an African-American writer. Because we have so much baggage here in the States that part of... One of the things I have seen just in the premises, not in the way, not in actually reading them, but the premises of a lot of these books, it treats Africa and its strangeness to those of us who are born and raised in this country as a magical land, as a place that's where all the magic was. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine for Neil Gaiman to do that in American Gods. He's a white dude. Of course he can treat all other lands like a right. magical <laughs> Paradise, but we can't do that as black. It's irresponsible to me. And there are other things. Is it? Do there, you think
1: it's going to be like Allah, the uh, person who wrote? Um, what is it called? My sister, the serial killer. Possibly. Because they are, if I remember right, they're not African American. There.
0: No, not just African. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and there are again, there are authors like Nnedi Okorafor who she doesn't get enough credit for what she's done in children's fantasy for black kids. Because she's so known in her adult work and she's really known in Africa. She's af- what you would consider African-American because she was raised here with her sister and her family. But, but her parents idea. were born and raised in Nigeria and migrated here. So she is, is technically an immigrant. Um, but so so much of what people love about her work Is it's Africans loving her work. In the States, she's extremely controversial and she's completely ignored in children's fiction because she writes all over the place. So I'm curious to see how that tradition builds Mm -hmm. over the next 10 years. I strongly aim to take part of it. Um, But, you know, who knows? Publishing is slow and I'm a slow writer and a slow reader. So, you know, you might just get a really good, cold essay out out of me.
1: I would like to read the essay. So when you finish the essay, yes. throw it at my my brain. We'll do. Um, I love reading essays like that because they're just like so like.
0: Yeah, How?
1: So next thing you should give me is uh, you should show me where The Marvelers is, because I now want to read it.
0: I have it checked out, Ah, uh, Tony! Totally. You can get a copy from Mel. I can get a copy. <laughs> Ooh,
1: Libby. <laughs> or Libby, Libby, yeah. Libby please. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Like, oh Do you have a
0: smack, or? I don't
1: have one, no. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine.
0: I got one. Okay, okay I'm, I'm gonna choose two black superheroes and pit them against each other, and you guys have to decide who would win. Mm. Jon Stewart as Green Lantern. Ooh. Okay. Or Black Lightning. I don't know a whole lot about Black
1: Static life. shock. I'm just kidding. Yeah, static, static shock. That'd be a
0: fight anyway. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm sorry, i no, oh, no, that's interesting. Okay. He's so the one
1: actual like, black use, superhero that I actually... So like.
0: we could use static shock. I feel like it's a little awful to put him up against an adult.
2: Let's say adult static <laughs> So let's, let's do... Cyborg. 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 Static
0: Cyborg. shock Cyborg. versus Miles Morales. Ooh.
2: Okay. Ooh, okay. Yeah, there we that, go. That works. Ooh uh, <laughs> I would I, I would probably say static shock would win. Mm. Just because there's so many Th- that's envi- where I'm going. environments where electricity could come in handy. It's... I'm choosing static shock just because I'm... it's DC versus Marvel. Well, <laughs>
1: well I'm also Fair, fair. Ironically <laughs> enough, I'm also choosing Static Shock, but that's because Um I feel like against a spider type person, like person who has that spider in him, mm. um, it is the the speed of electricity versus how fast Miles can get the uh, spider web to static shock, which, yeah. um, at that point, if we can understand how electricity works and functions, and if Static Shock knows how electricity works and functions, he could possibly just shove it through the wall wherever Miles is hiding, and the boom.
0: Problem is, is that because Miles has the powers that he has. If he's aware of the fact that he's fighting Static Shock and figures out any way of getting close to Static Shock, it's over. It's a wrap. Because all he has to do is, you know... He does have super strength. He's super strength. He has super speed. Not super speed, but he's fast. um, Faster than normal humans. (laughs) Um, He's not Superman, but he's fast. He also has um, the ability to sneak. That's the one. Yeah. His ability to sneak, climb, you know, all this kinds of stuff that... Static Shock really can't do, once he's in the middle of a battle, like he can fight you fairly well. And Black Lightning was his mentor in at least Young Justice. I don't know if he, the, the TV series, I don't know if he'd be, if that relationship ever happens in the comics, but it was in Young Justice. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm I will root for Static Shock all day long. I do think that it would be interesting to see the battle, and I don't know who would win.
1: Granted, I also have a bias against Static Shock because I religiously watched his show oh, when I was, was a, a child. Show.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my god, it was like the best. I
0: should watch it. I haven't watched it. All
1: right, so yeah. now I have the Marvelers so. and I will let you know if it's a Harry Potter dupreno. Nice. Okay, there
0: we go. Oh, I already know